Today, I present my plan to build our education system anew. The governor's ambitious school reform plan, who's going to pay for it, and the mayor versus the unions. These topics and more this week on Columbus on the Record. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at Coside, this is Columbus on the Record, WOSU-TV's weekly analysis of the top stories affecting Central Ohio. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Kathy Kandiski, State House reporter for the Columbus Dispatch, Bill Cohen, State House reporter for Ohio Public Radio, Terry Casey, Republican strategist, and Sam Gresham of Common Cause Ohio. Well, you wanted an education reform plan. Well, the governor gave it to you. It's been two years we've been waiting for this plan, and it seems to live up to the hype, at least on paper. Here's what the governor wants to do. He wants to lengthen the school year, require all-day kindergarten across the state, establish a teacher residency training program, make it easier to fire poorly performing teachers, and the biggie, increase state, the state-funded portion of public schools. In the upcoming two-year budget, even with the grave economic challenges facing Ohio and the nation, my plan will take the state's share of education funding to 55%. And as our, as our Ohio evidence-based plan is fully phased in, the state's share will grow to an unprecedented 59%. Kathy Kandiska, you cover education issues at the State House. The governor says this is going to make our education funding system constitutional. Can he get it passed? Well, the, there's a lot in it that yeah. people want. I mean, there's a lot of good reforms in it, all day kindergarten, some of the things you mentioned in your intro. Um, the big question is how does the state pay for all this? in this economy. I mean, the state's facing a $7 billion deficit or shortfall in revenues next year. We're going to have some one-time money from the federal government in the form of a stimulus package. But beyond that, how do you sustain it in the out years? Now, the governor says once he implements his evidence-based um, education system that it really isn't necessarily going to cost any more than the system we have now. It's just he's going to direct the money to certain things. We'll have to see how that plays out. And it's, an, it's phased in over eight years. So right. It's not going to happen overnight if it gets approved. So right. it, it's a gradual process that outlast him. I think it's a bold stroke. I think it's a, a part of uh, a genius, evidence-based, critical thinking, residency, uh, evolving it over eight years. For me personally, and I have a bias in supporting uh, public education, these types of things uh, I, I've been looking for it. I'm happy to hear it. Now, we have to look behind the covers. How do we pay for it over a period of time? But I think the public support for these directions and these types of activity is overwhelming. So I, I think if the will is there, we'll find the money. But this is like being for mom and apple pie. Everybody is for having students have critical thinking skills <laughs> and all these other Isn't things, cultural. <laughs> yeah, but everybody's for that. But we're having trouble getting kids to pass a 10th grade level proficiency test in reading, writing, math, and citizenship, and science, and so forth. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm not against it either, but the question is, if you, if you can barely teach the kids that get at the 10th grade level of these basic skills, when are you going to have the time 
and the effort and the will of the students and the parents to get these kids to learn and this my extra mentor stuff. Said, I don't know how you do why, it. Why not use a good crisis? This is a good crisis, so let's put up forward the best ideas to resolve the issues in education. That's, Sam, the problem is, before the show started, I said, well, for this education plan, if it's so great, hand me your credit card and we'll figure out a way to pay for it. Hey, I, I'll add it up. You can't have my credit card, but I'll <laughs> ante up some more money to pay for the education. Well, but he, here's the problem. Several months back in the prediction, I said, people are going to be saying, right about this time, the line from the Jerry Maguire movie, show me the money. Mm -hmm. All day kindergarten costs twice as much as half day kindergarten. Longer school days are all great ideas, but it costs money. And part of the problem, as Kathy touched on, is the last budget they used funny money out of the tobacco money to pay for it. And if you use the bailout money, if it comes, and if it's there, and if you can apply it that way, what do you do in the next budget? Because when you do these one-time fixes and steal that money, but you're going to spend more and increase the program, uh, fiscally it doesn't I, add up. I'm not going to be daunted by that possibility. What I think is the idea of putting these types of things inside of the educational content for the students of Ohio, it, it attracts me. We'll find a way to pay you for know, it. The governor seems to have the same attitude. It's mm -hmm. focus on the solution and figure out how to get there and don't be distracted by the economy and all these other things, these challenges that exist. That seems to be the mindset he's kind of promoting on this. We, but, yeah. And also suggesting that without these kind of reforms, we're not going to make it through this kind of an economy. I agree. When you look at some of these, th extending the school year to 200 days, that can happen. If you have the money, that can happen. Uh, all day kindergarten, that can happen if you mandate it. But some of the more touchy-feely things, the education system, is so huge and so entrenched, how on earth can you, in eight years, bring these programs in? Well, he said that you, he's going to roll it out. Yeah. That, mean, that doesn't mean it's all complete by that time period. But let, we can argue about money. The educational content, if half of this is realized, will change the lives of significant young people in the state of Ohio. It's going to be interesting to see, though, if, uh, you know, he, he wants to scrap the 10th grade level proficiency test and instead have all the kids take the ACT test, the college bound test, do a senior project, do a community service project, and, and also take end of course exams that would be monitored on a statewide level. And public so the, service. Public service, yeah, but, uh, community service, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but the question is, okay, so what kind of cut score? First of all, how are you gonna quant quantify uh, these kids' achievement in all four of those things. There's going to be a composite yeah, score. A composite, There's going to be a composite yeah, but score. But where's that going to be set, you know? And of course, it's the education department that some people don't trust that's going to set that. And so, therefore, are we going to be, are we really raising the bar on students or are we lowering it because this, this criteria is going to be so mushy? And I well, think that's know, a question we don't know the answer to. I mean, to. you know, nationally speaking, the trend is towards these end-of-course exams. Right. And, and, and the reason is, is ra rather than teachers T taking the time you get in the 10th grade to stop everything and prep students for a graduation test that instead uh, the kid takes algebra 2 at the end of algebra 2 the kid takes an end of course exam you take English lit at the end of the course you take an I English lit and exit exam a entrance or I'm sorry Excellent. end like of course exam, exam. Yeah. exactly so they you know there's a trend toward this I think Ohio will be about the 16th state a few states are implementing it now but by the time Ohio gets around to it there'll be about 16 states and those graduation tests, like Ohio's, which has been controversial from the start, are kind of the way of the past. Terry, one, one quick question, then we'll move on to the rest of the state of the state. This plan has a little bit of everything for everybody. 
Would you agree with that? And is that enough to get enough support of it? Well, I think in general, people support it. But as the Cleveland Plain Dealer editorial summarized very well, it's rich in details, uh, rich in ideas. That's great. But it was awfully light on details in terms of how you do it. And when you phase something in over eight or 10 years, is that really just designed to get by next year's reelection thing and let somebody else worry about how you really do it and how you pay for it? What's going to happen? And all these community service stuff is nice, but our kids coming out of high schools with skills so they can get jobs and help attract businesses and revive the Ohio economy. Okay. There were other things of note in this year's State of the State Address, an address which was one of the most anticipated in years. Governor Strickland came before lawmakers in the midst of the worst financial crisis in decades, yet he promised new programs like expanded health insurance for kids, rail service between the three C's, Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. And he wants to continue the college tuition freeze. He wants to do all of this without new taxes. Bill Cohen, how's he going to do that? That is the $64,000 or $64 million, or I guess these days $64 billion question, or <laughs> to your state budgets is, is $50 billion. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and I guess we're going to see Monday when he really rolls out the budget. But, you know, I, I guess how he's going to do it, at least one way he's going to do it, he's going to have a lot of fee increases. Uh, he's going to have 10 to 20 percent cuts in some state programs, although since apparently he's not going to cut higher ed, He's not going to cut regular education. He's not going to cut Medicaid. That's most of the budget. So I'm not sure how much money he's going to be able to raise with 10 to 20 percent cuts. Uh, and then, he's, of course, he's banking on the three, he says, $3.4 billion from the feds. And um, I guess that's how he's going to piece it together. And that, and that fed money, again, is one-time maybe money. And the reality is in the state general fund budget, roughly 40 percent of the budget, growing at 9 to 11 percent a year, is in healthcare, primarily nursing homes and Medicaid. And it's just hard to cut there. I mean, you can't tell people, your mother and father in the nursing home, come and pick them up Friday night because we're going to close the nursing home on Saturday and Sunday so we can save money. How do you do a 20% or a 15% cut there, which is the biggest area of the budget? One other thing I forgot to mention, he's going to ra finally raid the rainy day fund, which has maybe almost a billion dollars. He's been resisting that, saying we need to wait for a real rainy day. And now he's saying, okay, you know, it's I think, raining. You know, it's early in his speech, too, he did mention that state employees were going to have to bear the brunt of some of this. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see cuts there. He mentioned the fees and services, as you, as you noted. And I think you're going to see some state programs go away. Yeah, he's I mean, 20% cuts in some departments, some yeah. agencies. Um, rainy Day Fund, I mean, it, if this is a one-time crisis, is it, is it okay to use one-time money like the federal money and the Rainy Day Fund? I don't think the economy is going to be resolved in one year. I think it may take us five to six years to get this economy uh, back on, on, on the proper direction, or we may not get it back to whatever it used to be. It may be something new. I mean, the, the whole idea of what capitalism is now around the world is a little different. But the idea of taking the bold steps at this time to create something new, I mean, we typically cut people, reduce expenditures, and hunker down. He, this is not what he's suggesting. He's taking it head on. And I think that's a new, fresh approach. But if you talk about taking issues head on, this is the Ohio map, December's most recent unemployment number. 19 of the 88 counties have 10% or higher unemployment. 39, nearly half, are at 9% or higher. 
you know, when you look at the purple and the dark green, the numbers unemployment-wise, but yet in the state of the state message, only 8.6% of the time was taken up with jobs or economics. I think that's the number one issue. James Carvel said it well for Bill Clinton, it's the economy, stupid, and we need a lot more focus on the economy and how to fix that and how to connect the school system and the universities to employment and getting jobs in Ohio. Watch on Monday, though, for a lot of the social welfare groups to raise again the idea of, well, why can't we consider a tax hike? Uh, he doesn't want to hear that, I know, but they are, ironically, they are a lot of his allies, and they're going to be saying, hey, you can't cut mental retardation, you can't cut mental health, you can't cut child welfare programs so much, you've got to consider a tax hike. He's not, a, he's not only <coughs> refusing a tax hike, he's not even going to, say, delay the implementation of the five-year cut in the income tax. Or well, that's a tax hike. I mean, it would be, it would be sure. spun as a tax hike or the uh, senior exemption on the property taxes. The closest he, thing he's come to say for about a tax hike is these increases in, in fees. fees. Yeah, yeah but, but, you know, Terry, we're not an isolated state in our economy. We are a regional economy, which is coupled with a couple of states. We don't stand along by ourselves. So talking about solving the economic problem from just a pure state standpoint, that's a national, regional perspective. But why is Ohio's <laughs> unemployment so much higher than West Virginia that's traditionally been a tough state. I mean, their governor is a Democrat, made some changes there in tax structure, workers' comp that I think's helped that state, and we haven't looked at some alternatives in Ohio. I agree with what you're saying. His speech was light on it, the economy and jobs, but I really think this governor is banking that on education. I think he sees education as a way to get Ohio's back on track. I think he sees it as vital. I think that's his perspective on it. I mean, having the best uh, equipped and educated people? Yes, yes. And I think that's great, but if you do all-day kindergarten, by the time those people work all the way through high school and the college and they're going to get a job, can we wait that long for all-day kindergarten? It's start somewhere, though, Terry. <laughs> you know who loves all-day kindergarten? It's the parents paying daycare bills. So, I mean, you look at the spinoff there, it will hurt the daycare industry, perhaps, but... Not really, because they don't have room for all-day kindergarten classrooms. Yeah. They're going to be using In the daycares. Yeah, facilities. Um, Real quick on the on the speaking of right track, the whole rail. I love it. Mayor Coleman's going to use light rail to save the city. Now we we got the three C's rail line. Mm -hmm. Well, Sam, your credit card's going to be maxed out. Hey, if, the cost if, it, of that if it takes this to get this state out of the dark ages, so be it. He just said he's going to work toward it, yeah. and of course you can make the case we've been working toward it for 30 years, ever since the voters said no to the $6 billion bullet train plan. Uh, and this is much more scaled down. This is regular speed, 80 miles an hour, but some people would really welcome that. Yes, you know, but I don't think it'll operate at 80 miles an hour with that frequent of service, <laughs> especially if you don't have any money for it. Terry, you don't have much confidence in us as a country, do you? Well, there's something about if you don't have the money, you can't enjoy and buy the toys. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> money. <laughs> We'll pay for it eventually. <laughs> Meanwhile, about a block west on Broad Street, Mayor Coleman copes with his own budget troubles. Only one of the city's employee unions agreed for his request for a pay freeze. In return, the firefighters won't see any layoffs. That's not the case for other workers, most of whom face five days off without pay, and some of them face layoffs. Sam Gresham, the mayor asked you this week to hug a firefighter. 
Did you hug a firefighter this You know week? something? I applaud the mayor. <laughs> it sounds like a big city now, you know. We got it going because there are disagreements. No, I applaud the mayor. He stood up. He asked people to do some things, which is to take a, don't take a salary increase, help us all out here. And if you don't do that, you know, I'm a big city mayor. I can do that. And I thought it was great the next day he let the fire department, I mean, the police department go. That, that was a great piece of symbolism. Now, okay, we got the symbolism, but we still have to balance the budget. Something has to happen within the relationships in the city. And I know Doug Moore, who runs the Ask Me Union, and I don't know the, the, the complexities of Ask Me and why they did not support it. But I think there have to be some compromises here, and people have to come together in order to make this budget work. We don't want to talk about tax increase. I mean, uh, Dorian was on television the other night saying we may have to do a tax increase. So, I mean, we're, we're in the big leagues now. We've well, been saying that for five years every but, year. But, 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 but Sam, the police department is the number one priority for this city. The mayor's the chief conservator of the peace. And when we have 100 police officers out of 1,800 retiring this year, and you spend all the money to train a police class, and then you decide to fire them because you're mad at the union, didn't rubber stamp what you want. But in today's dispatch, here's a way you could have saved $2.3 billion. They came up with, oh, a theater on the east side for a jazz group. We've already spent $4 million. You need another $2.3 million? Here it is. We'll write you the check. That could have paid for the police class. Yeah, we but you can't get that money back. They're obligated by contracts. They have to move forward. Well, the problem is Columbus has been real big on certain parks and toys and other kind of play projects for the mayor and council and a few other people. we got to focus first on police, the fire, patching the streets, picking up the trash, doing the basic services before we get into all the, the toys and the feel-good stuff. I think the union perspective on this was, are you sure there aren't things that you can cut out of the budget before we have to take it? But And there probably are some things, but the flip side of it is, of course, they're not the first ones taking a pay freeze. There's a lot of people That's in pri you know, private business, a lot of people taking pay freezes, and even more people losing their jobs. Who are paying so, more per month in health insurance than the city employees. Than city employees are paying. I mean, well, is, it bad, is it bad, in, in the, is it short-sighted on the union's part to say no, or should the, the firefighters come out looking great? Because they took it. I, mean, I think the, the firefighters won, but I think, I think what is interesting is the new dynamic of the position of the mayor and how we publicly negotiate issues. I think heretofore there would have been a little quiet meeting in the background and somebody would have found a way of resolving it, but he tried a quiet background and he had to come forth in, in the public. I think the whole dynamic now has changed and I, I think it's a, it's a good thing. I think the fact that the, the city has cut about 500 workers from the payroll right. over the past year through retirements, buyouts, and layoffs, and I think this dispute with the firefighters and the police has gotten the public's attention. I think, at least their understanding, we are getting pretty, pretty down to the bone here. We right. have cut a lot of fat, mm -hmm. and uh, the recreation center is closing. So at least, if things get a whole lot worse from here, I think this tax hike idea at least would be somewhat politically feasible, because I think the people will understand We've cut a lot of stuff already. But and that's what the unions, the, other, the unions have voted no. That's, that's their point. We've already taken the hit. With our, we've, had, we've suffered layoffs to our membership, so we don't want to give any more. And the police say we haven't had a raise since 2007, while the firefighters have had a raise. So it's not really fair for us to give it up when the firefighters are, are dealing with one. And as one of the unions correctly pointed out, City Hall is still top-heavy 
with expensive PR people that go but around. Isn't that typical? How you snipe at each other? You can't tell me what's necessary for me to run the government. Well, the people care about whether the police officer comes to their home when they need him, whether the trash gets picked up. And I mean, one of the other things they're hatching at City Hall, well, it won't do in the predictions, they're going to cut, they're going to contract out the trash service to Swaco so Swaco can get rid of some of the municipal employees and then Swaco will charge you the fee for the trash pickup, a backdoor way to get more money out but of the tax you like that? No. Why? Because when they passed the last income tax increase, part of the contract with the people, the promise was you're going to get your trash pickup. And basically it's just a backdoor way to get more money. At City Hall they haven't tightened up anywhere near the amount. If you read some things Mike Curtin did in the dispatch on the uh, City Hall pays for their pension share, the employees are supposed to put in, the gold-plated health and health benefits that they get. It. Terry, I don't see it that way. I think they're pretty close to the white meat part of their budget. Uh, Sam, let's you and I get the budget out, put us in charge, and I'll <laughs> save a lot of money. <laughs> All right, our last topic. The Obama administration is considering new rules which could affect the car industry and the air we breathe. The federal EPA is considering allowing states to set their own higher emission standards, higher than the federal government. And the president wants automakers to increase the fuel efficiency of cars and trucks more quickly than previously mandated. Terry Casey, you think now is not the time to be putting new regulations on automakers. Well, if I heard from... A month or two back, we've got to save the Detroit Big free, Three. If you allow California to set all the rules, which I think would take it to around 40-some miles per gallon uh, in fuel economy by the year 2020, that quickly, Detroit, there's no way they can do it. And part of it is consumers got to buy cars. And in order to get the mileage up, you've got to shrink down the cars. Uh, you've got to take a lot of the safety features out of there that consumers like. If people don't buy the cars, you could end up with mileage standards that look good on paper. People don't buy cars. Detroit's dead uh, because there's a lot of things. Basically, this would let California set the rules for the whole country. And California's got tougher environmental problems. But if we're facing four dollar a gallon gas again this summer, but it we, was we keep today. we keep we keep hearing energy independence. We keep hearing that we have to save the planet. If the government doesn't force the car makers to do it, uh, is the market going to do it? It hasn't so far. Mm. Well, part of it's consumers. I mean, there's a lot of people. If you talk to people that have to take uh, their two sons and three other kids to a soccer game. They won't necessarily fit in some of these vehicles that get 42 miles per gallon. I bet they'd squeeze them in if they pay four bucks permanently a gallon. Okay, okay but Terry, you don't like the electrical codes and the fire codes that exist in buildings today? No, we all want safety. We want better mileage, but sometimes it doesn't work out. Well, There's laws those things of physics. cost you things. They cost you things. No, you but they help you and make you better. I'd love 43, uh, um, 43 miles per gallon on my gas. I'd like 100 a little better. Well, but the vehicle you'd have to ride in to get 100 miles to the gallon, it might have too many rubber bands in it. When it was $4.49, guess what? I'd have taken that. I would have preferred to have a car with less frills. And if you know, I drive a Honda, so I'm not big in frills. Well, I drive a Honda, too, as does my wife. I love Honda cars. But Detroit, particularly with their union contracts with the UAW and their stupid, idiotic management, for them to be able to move that quick in 11 years, they That's can't do it. That's why I agree with you. The stupid, idiotic management, I agree with <laughs> Absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I put the UAW has helped them be stupid. I won't go that far. <laughs>
you know, as, as long as you realize we're going to pay more for these better, better mileage cards, that's fine. The problem is when the public wants both, you know, the best yeah. of both worlds, you know, whether it's a state budget, oh yeah, uh, don't raise taxes, but don't cut my program. Uh, or, you know, oh yeah, ethanol, that's a great idea. Uh, yeah, use that for fuel. Oh, now I'm upset that the price of my cereal and bread is going up. Uh, I mean, as long as we realize, you know, if we want to have these new rules, better environment, fine, we're going to have to pay for them. But don't complain later. I mean, you, you say the, the big three would suffer. Why wouldn't Honda and Toyota suffer? Well, they might suffer some. Uh, and see, part of it, like California, they've got exemptions for car makers that make less than 60,000 cars a year. So different rules have different effects for different companies. But the whole thing is, should California drive what should work for the whole country? Uh, and part of the problem for Detroit is if you've got to build one type of car for California and another car for other parts of the country, that's not economically efficient. But I think Bill summed up some things. The realities of economics and consumers and laws of physics, it's not as easy as Congress to just posture and say, oh, this sounds good, let's make it this when way. When are we going back to Bullet? As soon as we figure out those laws of physics. <laughs> let's get to our weekly off-the-record <laughs> comments from our panel, some final thoughts and predictions for the weeks ahead. Kathy Kandiski, you're up first. Well, this may not be going too far out on a limb, but I would say that the uh, rail proposal is pretty much dead on arrival. Not going to make it out of the station? No. All right, Bill Cohen. Strickland got great bipartisan applause when he said no new taxes, but Ohioans are going to feel as if they're paying higher taxes because everywhere they look, where they're going to be paying higher fees all over the place, even at the state universities where the tuition is going to be down. They're going to be paying higher license fees, license tax, or the license plates, you name it, everywhere they look, we're going, to be pay we're going to be paying one way or the other. And Terry? Politics is heating up a lot sooner with the announcement Voinovich is out, but on the Democrat side, Lee Fisher won't be running for the U.S. Senate. It'll be Jennifer Bruner. Potentially, Congressman Ryan from Northeastern Ohio could run, but he's a pro-life Democrat, and that's not well-received on the Democrat Party. So Jennifer Bruner is going to ultimately be the one as things play out in the next couple months. Okay, and Sam? Ten years from now, we're going to see that these financial problems are going to result in a new type of economy and a, and a new direction for America. I think this is the transformative period, and things that we are arguing about are creating new directions. And I think this will be a pivotal period in our history. Okay. That is Columbus on the Record for this week. We encourage you to visit our website, wosu.org slash COTR. There you can watch streaming video of this program and a few past shows. You can check out our blog, and you can continue the discussion. This week, among the questions we ask, would you support a longer school year? For our crew here at WOSU at COSI and for our panel, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week.